Hello and welcome to the Driven Chat Podcast. My name is John Marcus. Sat opposite me is... Amy Shaw. And this is one of those episodes where Amy Shaw and I sit down and for the best part of an hour and 40 minutes talk absolute nonsense at you. So yeah, so either, uh, thanks for listening, see you later, (laughs) see you next week when we've got a guest, or you're in this, uh, you're in this with us for some company uh, of absolute nonsense where we just have our little quarterly review catch up and talk absolute tosh for more than an hour and a half in and around the world of cars. In this episode, we are bringing you a little update on uh, what have you been up to, Amy Shaw, because I always like to find out. Uh, We're going to be talking about some cars that we've driven and not driven, uh, some cars that have been great, some cars that have been not so great, and some cars that have made me realise that the EV infrastructure of the UK is an absolute disaster so far. So you've got all that to come. But then we have also got a listener's letter, just the one, which we will read out and answer, and then a massive section where we moan loads. So that's what we'll do. It was therapeutic. I think so. I feel better for doing it. <laughs> so yeah, you've got all of that coming up on this week's podcast. Welcome to the latest episode of the Driven Chat Podcast with me, John Marker, and Amy Shaw. Strap yourselves in and enjoy. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Right, here we are. Okay. We are recording a podcast. Amy Shaw, back in the Coventry Corner studio to a catch up a little. I like these because it's almost like we have a quarterly review. Quarterly review. We are sat in a room that is a bit like we're in a boardroom. (laughs) We're across each other from a table. It's two deep office tables kind of back to back so we're quite a di- like if we were to stretch our arms across yeah, the table can't I can't reach, reach you at all. No. there's another there's another arm length I between us you're a metre and a half away from me right now <laughs> quite far in a decorated room of sound deadening pads driven paraphernalia what else have we got a book it's a James Martin book this morning early this morning I recorded a podcast with James Martin did you? yeah yeah that was nice only brief that was good but uh that you'll be able to hear in the very near future, dear listener. I'll be honest, I, I was a bit of a James... I'm not going to say critic, but I wasn't too sure how I felt about James Martin. Having had that conversation with him, I I actually quite like him. Oh, OK. Not having the conversation of, I don't really know how I feel about you, James Martin. Yeah, I thought it would be brave to start like that. <laughs> but I no, I, I decided to go in with, it, with an open mind. I basically said, I know you've got a book to promote, but I want to talk about your cars. Ooh. And he was like, yeah, yeah, cool. Cool. So that's what we did. So you didn't get any cooking tips? Not one oh. cooking tip, no. But he did give a very good bit of advice about interviewing people. Oh, tell me yeah. more. Uh, it was along the lines of research, but you'll have to wait and listen, no, okay. listen. Uh, which I think, I think we're scheduling that one for early Jan. Uh, so it'll be a few weeks, but it's, it's a nice chat. It'll be one for people to enjoy. So yeah. Cool. There we go. Uh, right, well, this has been the strangest intro to a podcast we've done in quite a long time. But let's let's conduct our quarterly review. I'm going to run through some of the things we're going to talk about today. No guest this week. It is just us doing one of our catch-ups. It's worth also saying that we were supposed to have, for the first time ever, Rachel with us as well. So it was going to be you, me, and Rachel. Mm-hmm. However, we're recording this on Monday the 12th of December... And for those of you that are listening and remember last week, if you're listening in real time, there was a tiny, 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 tiny bit of snow that fell from the sky and brought the entire United Kingdom to a grinding halt. So that's what's happened. Uh, Rachel couldn't get her train up from London to where we record in Coventry. Uh, So it's just you and I. What a shame. Hopefully 
we'll get her on very soon well, in the yeah. new year. Maybe it's you, new year's you still haven't actually met. I have never met Rachel, which is mental. Mental. I even made sure I put makeup on to look nice. I thought Aww. I can't just usually when I just see you, I roll in practically whatever yeah. I've just like barely not pajamas and scraped off. The, I do. Your pit. <laughs> so yeah, I just made an effort to, to meet Rachel. Today. Oh, never mind. Oh, never mind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> The listeners will be grateful. Yes, they can they can hear it in the in your voice yes. that you have makeup on. Well, I hope you're enjoying it, dear listener. Mm, they are. They're <laughs> nodding. Uh, right in this episode, uh, we're we're building up again. Uh, considering or, or assuming you're listening to this in real time, it's nearly Christmas. Hey! Jingle, jingle, jingle. Sound effects. Jingle, jingle. Uh, yeah, it's nearly Christmas. So we thought, what better way than to round up the year? and uh, look ahead to the festive season of happiness and celebration by having a good old moan. (laughs) So what we will be doing in this episode is moaning and listening to input from you, our lovely dear listeners, about all the things that make you sad about driving on the road, make you grumpy. One thing that gives me kind of a little bit of comfort is that lots of people do moan about the same things, which means that if we can target those moans, which you will have heard before, Mm. hopefully any of you that do these things. I don't think you would do because otherwise you may not be a listener yeah. of ours. But yeah. if you do, you might reevaluate yourself and everybody will have a happier Christmas and New Year onwards. Exactly. I think you're absolutely right. I also do think, sadly, you're right, that the, the main, looking at the list of moans that we've had, I don't think many of the people that are the uh, the criminals in this scenario <laughs> are podcast listeners of automotive content. No. They clearly aren't car people. But we'll get there. I well, um, ah, say that. Not some of them are. When I get to the modifications Ooh, yes. part, there will be a few of those listeners that we might be able to steer in a better direction. <laughs> Let's not change your life choices. Just allow you to reconsider them. Just say you're wrong and yeah. then... Yeah. You can make that decision for yourself. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but before we get to the moans, I thought we'd have a little bit of a catch up, as we do every time you and I sit down together. The first item on my agenda on a bit of paper, a physical bit of paper there. Uh, what have you been up to, Amy Shaw? Well, the photography side of the automotive world does start to slow down a little bit oh, in no. over Christmas and New Year, which is not a bad thing. So it means that I've been able to do a few more fun things. So mm. yesterday I had a very, very fun off-roading day with a little group of friends called the Tire Kicker Club. I saw this on your Instagram stories. It looked very good. So basically what we do is twice a year, sometimes three, twice a year, we we meet um, at a lovely farm shop that you may have heard of in the Cotswolds called Dalesford. Mm. And we just go and do a little bit of off-roading in various vehicles. And I've always been in my my Land Rover Defender. Mm -hmm. Um, And lots of people go in... Much shinier Defenders, which makes me a little bit nervous because I think, ooh, that's quite a shiny car. And it's a um, it's a technical route. Lots mm. of up and downs and muddy and slidey and people had to get pushed and pulled off of branches and things. But okay. um, it all ends with uh, lots of lovely food and just a little wander around the farm shop itself where I bought some uh, Christmas presents. Did you? <laughs> That's an exciting Good. I didn't realise you'd won the lottery. You bought oh, Christmas presents from Dalesford Farm. Well, I, when I say Christmas, it's only because the person I bought it for has quite expensive taste and so I oh. thought I, this, that's my one present to them. So, so it's me? It's my Christmas How did present? you guess? Stop guessing. <laughs> wow. Um, yes, but no, that was fun. It's always fun because then you get to see 
this variety of off-roading vehicles. And so a lot of these people have not necessarily done much off-roading before, yeah. which makes it fun to watch as a spectator. So um, <laughs> <laughs> I did see on your story there were a few lovely L322 Range Rovers that had very definitely road tyres on, and they yeah. were on quite an off-road bit. And it was very snowy as well. Yeah. It was muddy, it was snowy. So yes, let's just say certain vehicles did have to get um, helped Helped uh-huh. a bit. Not very much, just, just a bit. A lot. She's <laughs> a lot. nodding a lot. <laughs> no, if they were on uh, like more knobbly tyres, I think they would have done just as well as everything else. Mm. But um, no, road tyres aren't, aren't the best. Um, but no, other than that, what have I done? Uh, lots of little shoots, um, nice. just fun little things. Uh, yeah, and then I've just been a workshop runaround person. I've been doing that. My other half hired me officially for uh, some photographs because really yeah because oh. I, I said he was, he says to me can you um could you come in and take some photographs please and I'm like yeah 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 just let me know when and put it in, put it in the joint calendar anyway he doesn't mm. so then it has to turn to work thing because then he knows it'll actually kind of put it in the calendar and it'll be a thing and he'll arrange it so I did have I have had a day driving around in a Mark Seven Jaguar that he's trying to convince me to buy we're not going to buy it um, going <laughs> around to all of our suppliers taking lots of photographs of various customer cars in mid build I see is this the Mark Seven Jaguar that I'm fairly convinced he's already bought. Yes, I, right. yes. Um, he's now saying, "Well, what about if one of our other customer friends <laughs> buys it and we just look after it?" And I said, "That will be fine. That will be fine." But mm. as long as you're not buying it, that's all that matters. It does smell very strongly of, darling. I've bought something, and I need to work out how to tell you. Yes, it does. Although I do know that he cannot lie. Like the, the day that it arrived in our workshop, he told all the boys in the workshop to um, to not say anything to me. Right. Anyway, within an hour of him getting home, he just out of the blue. I hadn't I hadn't thought of anything. <laughs> like Tourette's. Out of the blue, he was like, "I've got to tell you, I can't keep it from you any any longer." I was like, "What? what what's wrong?" He's like. The Mark Seven might have shown up in the workshop today, and I was like, "Right." And he mm. says, "I just can't, I can't lie to you." <laughs> anyway, I had no idea, but um, no, it's going to be going soon, is what we've agreed. Ah, I see. So yes, but no, but um, you've been far busier than me. You've, I've got a list of cars that you've driven recently, and yes. that's that's an extensive list. It is an extensive list. Um, what have you been doing with these vehicles? Well, that's a very good question. Uh, driving them mostly. <laughs> Seeing what they're all about, seeing what the 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 pros and cons are, you know, journalistic side of me. But yeah, it's been a really good actually. The past the past selection. I'm trying to cast my memory back because I haven't listened back to the podcast to check. But I seem to think that I we had a conversation in our last uh, podcast, you and I together, in which I mentioned that I was going to be driving a Kia EV6 to Edinburgh for a friend's wedding. Yes, that was it. And I was thinking, Mm. I wonder how long that's going to take you from the Midlands. Well, it should have been about six hours. Is that including charging? Well, that's the thing. The beautiful thing is that from my front door in the little town I live in to Edinburgh city centre where the wedding was, it Mm -hmm. was 328 miles. And guess what the EV range is on a Kia EV6? I'm going to go with 330 miles. 328 miles. Really? To the mile. So I thought, well, here's the perfect opportunity to test this. Uh, I arranged for the car to be delivered the day before going up. And um, I thought that was it. I was going to put the car on charge, give it a full charge, then set off from home to Edinburgh to make the wedding and see if the car could do the charge. So I thought, what an amazing story that would be. However. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, Kia forgot oh. to give you the car. Ah. Um, 
So, yeah. Were you, were you waiting, like, at your doorstep? Like, I sent an email in the morning, went, Hi, Kia, have you got an ETA for what time the car's coming? About one in the afternoon I did this. And I was like, yeah. I started to think, I guess, have, maybe they've forgotten. <laughs> um, anyway, turns out, completely innocently, they did. Uh, breakdown of communication somewhere. But no dramas, because they, uh, they have arranged delivery of a EV6 in January. Hey. So I will be taking delivery of the car. And guess what? What? <laughs> Three friends of mine are competing at a motorsport event just north of Edinburgh in ah, January. Okay. So guess what I'll be doing in January? Are you going to drive to Edinburgh? I'm going to drive to Edinburgh <laughs> in a Kia EV6 and see if it will actually do 328 miles. What if it doesn't? Uh, then I will charge up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, uh, to be fair, to be fair to Kia, this is a this is a harsh test because, of course, these real world range tests that are done are often done in a best case scenario where it's not raining and it's not cold and you don't have to use heated seats and the air conditioning could be on eco mode and um, i'm going to be going up in early january so it's probably going to be very cold i probably am going to have the heated seats on i probably am going to have the air conditioning on and it probably will be raining so there'll be things like wipers going ballistic <laughs> so it is it is going to be a difficult test i am not expecting the car to succeed mm-hmm. uh, but that's not because i think the car is bad i think it's because i'll be asking a lot of the car uh, so we shall see. We shall see. We shall see indeed. Yeah. That's one thing on the list. Or do you want to do you want to go through the, the rest of your list of things you have driven? Yeah, I can do. Yes, I mean, that, that's the one thing I've not driven. Uh, but yeah, there we are. We've spoken about it. Uh, ID Range, that's Volkswagen. They did a lovely press day where I was invited along to drive a selection of their cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was quite interesting. I drove the e- ID3, ID4 and ID5 for the first time. They're cars. <laughs> they are cars. <laughs> they are cars. Uh, in every sense of the word, they are cars. Uh, about as exciting to drive as... Um, let me think of something very unexciting. Um, you get the idea. I, I wasn't jelly inspired. Jelly on wheels. Well, I, th- I think that might be more exciting really? to drive some jelly on oh. wheels. Yeah, no, I, I, wasn't, I wouldn't say I was captivated, but then that's me as a driver because it... It wouldn't be fair if I sat here and went, they're rubbish cars, because they're not. They're, they are actually very, very, very good cars. Um, but they're just about as engaging as fruit. It, it's not going to light the fire of, of drivers around the world. Um, they did, however. So the day predominantly was there. It was designed as a press day. They bring along their fleet of cars. They invite people like me to come along, drive them, talk about them, write about them. And their focus was the ID range, so all the electric cars. But they also brought along a Polo GTI hmm. and a Ayrton, which I never know how to say it, Arteon. Arteon? How do you spell it? A-R-T-E-O-N. Arteon. Arteon. I yeah, I think it is Arteon. Uh, they brought along those two. So the Arteon is a plug-in hybrid, does about 60 miles on an electric range, but ultimately is just a lovely big estate uh, car, as we know and love them, with an engine. That was brilliant. Absolutely loved that thing. Uh, I drove that first. I then worked my way through the ID range and kind of went, ah, oh, I was hoping I'd be a bit more excited by it. Loads of amazing tech, like loads of gadgets. They've got this augmented reality navigation system now where arrows reflect from the dashboard up onto the screen like a heads-up display. Yeah. So as you're driving along, it knows where your head is in the car. So you, I tested this by strangely moving my head around <laughs> left and right and up and down. And it can actually see where your head is, so it knows where to position the arrows to reflect. So as you're driving towards a corner, the arrows then come closer to you to show you that's where you need to go. Ah. And if you need to pick a lane, if you're going on the uh, motorway, for example, or the lanes divide, the, there's a fork in the road, then um, 
arrows will appear to be on the road through the augmented reality reflection on the screen to show you where to go. Now, that sort of stuff I thought was incredible. Mm. Very, very, very clever. It was just the the rest of the car was just a bit dull. I mean, linking to our future chat in a moment about some moans, Mm. and obviously I won't go into depth now, but a regular moan might be about uh, lane discipline. Yes. I wonder if in the future... It, those kind of heads-up display will say, hey, I've noticed that there's nothing in that lane to the left of you. You yeah. should move over now, or something like that, to make people better drivers, like a bit more instructive. That would be good, wouldn't it? I don't and know. And that... ideally, it would flash up on the dashboard or the, the, the windscreen reflection and say, hey, idiot, move left. <laughs> move over. Move over. How many lanes do you need? Pick a lane, any lane. Yeah. Just not the middle one. Not the middle one, no, no. <laughs> Um, so yes, the uh, ID range that was interesting. But yeah, as I say, I ended the day by getting into the Polo GTI, and that—I mean, what an amazing little car! And it just, to me, I felt really conflicted because I know these cars are good. These IDs—they're winning awards. People love them. There are clearly loads of them on the road. But getting out of an ID three and a four and a five, and even their GTX, their fast one, I. It didn't even come close to getting into that little hot hatch and driving like an absolute lunatic around the country <laughs> roads. They're so much fun. Um, so, yeah, that left me feeling a little bit strange. I've written an article about this, so you can look at it on the website, drivenchat.com forward slash words, and you can see I did like a summary to the day, um, basically concluding that whilst these cars are clearly very good, they're just, they're just not very engaging. Mm. And all this wonderful tech and gadgetry is coming along, but I'm a little bit concerned that that has overtaken the... Uh, the R&D for driver experience. And maybe the majority don't care. Maybe it's just me being a petrol head going, I want to feel engaged when I'm driving. Um, The ID range didn't do that for me. I mean, I'm going to defend the ID range now. I've I've not driven them, so I don't actually know. Mm. However, I think if if you're going to, it's no point having a car that's kind of bog standard at everything if you're mm. going to take a step back from the the driving the driver's car such as yourself John Marker mm. you may as well up the cool tech like for people that get into cars and they're not True. bothered about driving but they really like tech mm. that's a really sweet car for them but I mean if you want all the things you're probably going to have to have all the price all the money all the pennies all the pennies yes yeah, yeah. so I imagine this is probably a quite nice compromise yeah, perhaps, perhaps. You know, I often think about it when I'm reviewing cars, driving cars, I think about members of my own family because <laughs> there are some members of my family that really love cars and want to get the best out of them and have an engaged drive. And there are others that just want a car to go from A to B. Mm-hmm. And if it was my auntie Naomi, for example, that ID3 would be the best car in the world for her. She'd love it. And she'd probably love all the tech. And she'd love all the tech <laughs> and everything know else. How to It'd use be great. It all, but enjoy it. Uh, but yeah, if I think of it, you know, if I think of my dad, you know, he'd get into it and wouldn't understand the tech and then would think it's boring and then get angry when it runs out of batteries. Yeah. Oh, well. Hi, Dad. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, that was the ID range. Did a very similar thing the day after with BMW where they tested their range of cars. That was very good. Good. As you know, I I do have a slightly unbiased... Uh, also, I do have a slightly biased <laughs> approach to BMW products. I just think they're very good. They have been very good for a long time. And I got a drive, an exclusive pre-production drive of the new X1. Hang on, I've got to think about this. X1, I, IX1, 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 IX1. I might have to recap on my photographs because I can't remember. IX1, the new little uh, 1 Series X electric car. That was very very, very clever, had all sorts of wonderful tech, and it looks a bit like a car. They're kind of, BMW have done this thing recently, as you've probably seen, where they're creating these quite unusual shape 
cars with bizarre purple interiors and gold bronze knobs that do things that are strange and give all sorts of driving immersive experiences but it look it doesn't look like a car as we recognize it and that is making a lot of people go ah oh, but i quite like that do you? yeah i like mm. design that's can be argued whether it's yeah. good or bad well, no that's that's very yeah. fair because that, that means fair. it's interesting yeah I yeah. talked about it before on previous podcasts. Yeah, no. If design is is argue, even if I don't like it, if it's weird and different, I like it. Mm. <laughs> like the um, what's the the cactus with the weird door? Oh yeah, the citron cactus. That's yeah. it, citron cactus. Yeah, weird door things. Great, great design. I think that's really nice. Yeah, because you can slam into them in car parks. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine you doing that. Every Bouncing time. off. <laughs> I quite like a citron cactus. I've never driven one. Have you? No, never driven one. But okay. I I, th- I do think they're quite cool. Yeah. Citroen do really cool cars. Always have done. Mm, yeah. Always will do. Yeah. Um, yeah, just probably want to own one. Probably. <laughs> probably. 10 out of 10 would maybe have a Citroen. 10 out of 10 would maybe have a Citroen. Um, what's chatting to you? I've just received a message um, <gasps> from a very exciting gentleman called Mike. Uh, Mike is, is the man that when you receive a message from him, you think, ooh, this will be interesting. Mm-hmm. And he usually says, hey... Do you want to borrow a car? And I'm like, yes. Ah, and Mike. I know Mike. You know Mike as yeah. well. Mike um, works for a very lovely company called Bentley. Bentley, Bentley Motors. I've heard of that. Have you company? heard of them? Yeah, they make nice cars. They make very, very lovely cars. Mm. Have you seen? Uh, I don't know if it's a, if it's their new. What's going to be coming out? Bentley. I don't know what it is. It's the, the, with the with the more the thinner headlights. Oh, the Baclar? I don't know. Or is it no? Mm-hmm. Anyway, this might be an awful bit of conversation. There. Yeah. But anyway, I think that's cool. But he asked me, would I like to look after a car over Christmas? Oh, so, that's very kind. I know. Hi, hi Mike. <laughs> um, well, get to me in a minute. Go on. <laughs> so he he just said, would you like to borrow a very beautiful GT Speed Coupe in orange flame? Oh, that's a guy. That's a nice color. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know what, I mean, obviously it's orange, but orange flame? Is that yeah, more on the red like side a, or the orange side? I think it's like a nice kind of burnt amber, Oof, I'm going to say. Yes. I might have got that wrong. I'm, I'm fairly sure that's got that right. <laughs> well, anyway, I'll borrow it um, over Christmas and that'll be oh, my be nice. personal Santa sleigh. Have a lovely time getting my massaging seats on. Um, Perfect. And then, yeah, take some pictures, give it back in January. Good way to start the year, I think. Very good. <laughs> Very good. Love it. Well done. Excellent. Uh, Mike, if there's any extended wheelbase Bentaygas going spare that you need a home <laughs> over Christmas, you've got my number. Um, yeah, that'd be nice. Yes. Wow, very good. So a big hello to Mike. Hi, Thank Mike. <laughs> who arguably might be the best PR in the automotive industry. I who knows? Who would knows? Can't say confirm that. nor deny. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, Audis. I've been having some fun with Audis as well. Um, as anyone that follows our social feeds will have seen, uh, we have had the Audi R8 Performance Rear Wheel Drive Edition. That was very good fun. A video about that car will be arriving imminently on our YouTube channel, so keep it a, keep it a little eye out for that. Um, but yes, thank you to um, Audi. Oh, Louise Audi, I should say, who is also one of my favourite uh, PRs <laughs> in the automotive industry, uh, who very kindly arranged for the R8. And then a week or so after, the e-tron GT Quattro, which was quite an interesting qu- contrast to go from the kind of the, the outgoing star of Audi's performance cars, the R8 performance, because, of course, internal combustion engines and all that sort of thing, uh, coming to an end. And then uh, Audi's e-tron GT, which is the, the the glimpse into the future of what their performance cars might look like. It wasn't the RS, but it was still a very, very, very nice car. 
um, yeah, quite an interesting experience with both of those cars. Interesting. Interesting is one of those words that you use when there are good things, but there are also less good things. Mm. Yes. Would you like to elaborate on interesting? Yes. Yes, I can. And I will, uh, because you know what's coming. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I enjoyed both. I thought both were amazing. The R8, of course, you know, what a noise. 5.2 litre naturally aspirated V10 engine just sounds so good. Uh, so I enjoyed ripping around with that. Uh, my girlfriend did not enjoy it as much because it's quite loud. <laughs> and in our little apartment complex car park in the morning on a cold start, it it, it is quite noisy. <laughs> there was a, a little element of us both looking at each other going... Oh, <laughs> sorry, neighbor. <laughs> sorry, neighbours. Um, so yeah, that that was great. But everything else about that car, I just think, is absolutely fantastic. The e-tron GT Quattro that came next, I was really, really, really excited about, and rightfully so because it is fantastic. I think it looks looks fantastic from every single angle. It's brilliantly designed on the interior. It drives like a car. It looks like a car. It's got storage in the front. It's got storage in the back. It is absolutely fantastic. However. Me being a person that does not have the ability or facility to plug a car in at home. The one thing I don't have in my lovely apartment is anywhere to plug a car in outside. Uh, I was dependent on the public charging network of the United Kingdom, which has a long way to go, mm. I discovered. Um, because I used that car as I would have used any other car that week. It involved drives from the Midlands down to London. Uh, I popped across to Wales. I went in all sorts of different directions to go and do various bits and pieces. And um, good Lord, I got bored of sitting and waiting for charge points. Oh, just waiting for the charge points, not even yeah. waiting charging. I don't mind waiting in the car when the car's plugged in because mm -hmm. that's success. But when you're... 100 miles away from home, needing a little boost when you're just about 20 miles short and you think, I oh, know, I'll pop to Beaconsfield Services on the M40, plug in there because they've got some fast chargers, that will boost me up by a few miles and that will get me home. And then you get there and there are nine Porsche Taycans waiting Oof. for a charge. So you're the 10th car in a row. Every other charging point is full. Um, that is not ideal. Did you end up waiting or did you go and find no. another one? No, so I, maybe I should have waited. Um, so to paint the picture, and again, there is an article on this. I've written a whole story about this on the website, drivenchat.com forward slash words, if you want to go and have a little read. But the long and short of it is I got to Beaconsfield Services, needing to get home, but spent the day in South London, needed to get back up to Warwickshire. It's about 115 miles. And uh, yeah, the charge point at Beaconsfield was completely occupied. Uh, the most annoying thing is I actually set off in the morning from Warwickshire to do my London and back drive with, in theory, enough charge to get me there and back. Uh, the reality was I didn't have enough charge. On my way home, I realised, nope, this is going to be cutting it a bit fine. I need to plug it in. So, yeah, got to Beaconsfield, nine Porsche Taycans waiting to be charged, so I didn't want to wait for those. I thought, no drama. I'll continue up my drive to Oxford Services mm -hmm. and I'll plug in there. Fool me. There is a entire row of tesla chargers if you've got a tesla and you want to stop at oxford services you are in the money no problem there at all if you drive anything other than a tesla no chance you uh, can't plug in there there's no there's no charging point oh. in oxford services if you don't have a tesla so great um so by that point i've really stretched my limit and thought now i'm a bit stuck because mm -hmm. i've got 17 miles range left or something uh so I then start looking on ZapMap, which is the app that every EV driver has to look at available charges. Uh, notice there's one in a little town called Tame, which isn't too far from Oxford Services. But I thought, right, 
I'll go there. Completely out of my way, but I'll go there because there is a fast charger there. So I went on my way to a Marks and Spencer's car park to find, just as I was arriving, a Hyundai something or other plugging in Ooh. on the fast charger. And I, I politely said, are you doing a full charge or are you just doing a, a little like, 15, 20 minute top up? And the guy just went, no, sorry, mate, full. So I was like, okay, so you're going to be here for about an hour and a half then. Look at ZapMap again. The only charger that I could access was then in the town of Aylesbury, which is even further out of the way mm-hmm. for me to get home. I think it's, it's basically going backwards. Oh, yeah, at that point it was going backwards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I've, I'm going backwards to find a charger. Uh, I found a remotely fast, fast charger, 50 kilowatt charger, which if you are an EV driver, you'll know that that's good, but not great. And... Um, I found one, had four miles left on my range by the time I got to that charge point in the wrong way uh, going home. So the journey that should take me at the most about two hours and ten minutes, that's with a bit of traffic. You can do it slightly quicker from that part of London to home, uh, ended up taking me nearly four hours. Ooh. Well, in fact, adding on the charge time, it was about four and a half hours Ouch. to get home. And that was simply because... I needed to just put a little bit of charge into the battery. Whereas if I had, if I was given the option of driving any car in the world and wanting to go home, and somebody said, "I will give you, um, I will give you petrol to get you home, but it's five pounds a litre," I would have paid it. <laughs> Absolutely, would have paid it because all I wanted to do at that point was just go home. So that I, I experienced the the best of the car and the worst of the charging infrastructure in the UK, which I re- genuinely believe has got such a long way to go mm. before I'm in a position where I'm happily going to be able to say to a close friend or family member do it go and get it get it sorted Mm -hmm. get yourself an ev it's fine you'll never have an issue perhaps my opinion would be different if i had a charge point at home but i don't so therefore it doesn't work for me and for many 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 millions of us in the uk they don't also have charge points at home you live in apartment complexes or terrace streets or things like that where you you don't have a driveway you don't have the luxury of a wall box at home where you can plug a car in. Like you don't have a. I don't have no. I'm on the terrace, so, terrace house as well. Yep. Yeah, wouldn't probably will never have one on that little street. But yeah. um, I was also wondering, how many kilowatts of power would you be able to get out of cycling on a static bike? Oh gosh, you're asking the wrong person. Now, but um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know either. Why are you thinking about putting? You know one of those little fold-up bikes that you see with people yeah, going on the train, on, you know, in Yeah, one of those. Just one of those that just hooks up to your charge point, and if you really <laughs> are stuck on your bike, you don't go anywhere. But instead of yeah, instead of having to, I don't know, go and get a jerry can of fuel to take back to your car, mm. hop on your bike on the side of the road, whiz away for half an hour, might get you just that emergency five ten miles. I don't know. It's a, uh, it's a good theory. <laughs> it's an enjoyable theory. My only concern with it, I'm thinking back to a, a school trip to the Science Museum when I was in maybe year six, and um, the, they had a push bike there that you could pedal that would then turn on a 60-watt light bulb. Right. And I seem to remember I was pedalling like bilio to make that thing glow even remotely brightly. <laughs> so my concern... Uh, unless they could fabric, somebody could fabricate some sort of weird gear or excellent gearing system, uh, is that it might be, it might be a struggle. You'd be there for too long. I'd be there for too long. Okay. I, I would definitely <laughs> be there for too long. I have seen um, more so in the US than here, but I have seen people in uh, Tesla and other EV cars driving around with a petrol generator in their boot uh. for this occasion, just in case they do get to a point where they think, "Oh no, I've run out of charge." A little petrol generator that you can plug into, like you would if you were setting up a camping stall or a market stall or something, um, and you can fire that on. But I think even then you're only getting about three to four kilowatt hours. So 
that's a slow, that's a very very slow charge. Mm. Uh, so yeah, that's my experience with an e-tron GT Quattro. Amazing car, terrible infrastructure. Yeah, so it's not really the car's fault. Not at all. No, no, no the car was fantastic. Um, and with time, hopefully, um, things like GridServe coming along and making uh, charge stations like we see petrol stations. Uh, I hope GridServe hurry up because that could be that could be the solution. I think if there was one of those at the um, you know within a thirty mile radius of, of everywhere, then that could be great. But yeah, at the moment, and with more people buying EVs, this is the thing I was thinking whilst I was sitting contemplating my life choices, looking at nine Taycans, also waiting. And it's not like a petrol four car. You know, bear that in mind. You can't just sit behind the car that you're waiting for that pump. Everyone's backed into a space, so suddenly you've got this a bit like a barbershop. Everyone sort of like goes in, takes a seat, and then looks at each other as if to say, were you next? Were you before me? Or can I go now? Or, you need to or, have one of those like ticket machines you used do. to get in there. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing I noticed on this particular drive back, this wintry drive, it was raining and it was cold. So therefore, not like in a petrol station where you can just pull under a nice cover and put your diesel or your petrol in your car. If it's pouring with rain, you're getting wet. There's no, there's no two ways about it. You're getting wet and then you've got that awkward kind of waiting for the machine to tell you that your card's been registered or have you got to download the app? You've got to wait for that to work. Uh, I went to a, um, a, a a little, like, nice afternoon tea place not far from our office recently uh, where they had their, their own charging stations there. But the problem with those is you needed to download an app in order to use the charging station, which I didn't have on my phone, obviously. And because the nice castle that we went to was out in the countryside uh, there was no signal to download the app so therefore you're standing there unable to download the app you think well i can't charge the car so there we go that's just useless and i suppose i suppose we're not really getting many well we'd get some electric listeners but people would just be like just go and buy a tesla and i'm like yeah yeah i mean the, the annoying thing is they're kind of right like if you want an electric car that that, that can use and utilize an infrastructure that actually works then the the answer is a tesla because tesla have absolutely and utterly sewn up that market the problem is teslas are so dull yeah and and you know you look at the interior of a tesla and there is a lot to be said for a car that's come from a manufacturer that's been making cars for generations mm -hmm. versus a tech company that's having a go at making cars which is what tesla is the cars again a bit like they are id range actually id three four and five if you want a car that's just a car that you can plug in and go with, then that's fine. You're going to love that Tesla and you'll be amazed at how fast it is. But if you want a car that makes you kind of fizz with excitement and makes you feel really proud of it, then I don't think, certainly for me, isn't the Tesla just wouldn't tick that box. No, and in the snow yesterday when it was heavy snow, we were following Tesla that was probably going about 15 miles an hour and mm. we thought in the Defender, we thought we can't, um, we're not going to sit here and just overtook it. Because again, we can't really, it's not like you can kind of use a clutch to help you out and gearing and... No. and if you're not really one that usually drives in snowy, icy weather, then I think electric cars could be a bit sketchy. Well, they can. I mean, they'll deplete the battery quicker, but also, in theory, they should work. Like Teslas with four motors, that should give optimum grip. But I guess, yeah, perhaps perhaps this is... I, I don't know about you, I don't ever look at a Tesla on the road and think, that's a car person. Never. Like, in the same way that if you'd see, like, an Alpina BMW or a RS Renault you'd be like, oh, that's a car person. That that person has chosen that car because they like cars. You look at a Tesla driver and you just think that's somebody that needed to get from A to B and has bought the white one or the brown one. Or, mm -hmm. So, yeah. 
Yeah. I think we've, we, we've started off the moaning quite, we have quite well. We have prematurely started moaning. <laughs> As I said at the beginning, this is a hive of positivity and <laughs> <laughs> jingly bell outlook onto the future. Uh, I, t- I can tell you one car, one last car that I have been driving, which oh, has yes. Sorry, I've blown my paper. socks off with positivity and excitement. And it's a Defender. Okay, I'm sold. It's a Bowler Defender. Bowler Defender. Bowler I can. Defender. Whenever people talk about Bowler Defenders, mm. it, like completely instantaneously, all I can think about is a bowler hat. And then oh, I think about Defender. Oh, that's not too bad. I thought you were going to say e-bowler. Can you imagine that if bowlers then were bringing out an the electric... electric bowler, the e-bowler? <laughs> Probably oh. a... Can't do it. can't register that domain. It seems to already have been claimed. Uh, what have yeah. you got, Ebola? Uh. Ebola. Oh, oh, I'm just going to shuffle this way a bit. Yeah. Did you um, love it? Please oh tell me you loved it. God, what a thing! Really? Oh, uh, massive shout out to Nick Elwood, uh, another superstar of the mm-hmm. PR world in the automotive industry, uh, who got in touch a few weeks ago and said, uh, "We are putting on at Bowler a little day for certain people to come along and try the car out." Now, I've always been obsessed with Bowler. I think it's been one of those brands that for years I've just always been a huge fan of. And, of course, uh, Defenders in their classic shape have always looked fantastic. Uh, This, of course, was the new Defender, the Defender 90. And Bowler have once again worked their magic on it. And my goodness me, it is good. It is so good. What makes it so good? Um, well, remarkably, not a lot. This you is don't the, like, actually like Defenders. You, don't, you say you can't fit in them, you bash your elbow all the time on the doors and things yeah, like that. Old Defenders, yeah. Okay. But new Defenders, I love okay. new Defenders. Absolutely adore them. Yeah, so uh, it's the new Defender. It's the new Defender 90, and it has a fully stripped interior. It's fully roll-caged. Uh, these are built from the factory, so they take the Defenders off the factory production line, and then they equip them with roll-cages that they have to... Uh, weld into place in situ in the car so it's not like a, a cage that's fabricated outside and put inside these are all manually made by hand by people which is really exciting uh, bucket seats all of the original dashboard interface that you see at the front is well most of it is still there it's just pushed back ever so slightly to accommodate that roll cage but it means that what you have is a product with the capability of going anywhere with a roll cage so that you can effectively crash it into the ground and it will still be fine uh, whilst also still having the luxuries of things like adaptive cruise control and automatic wipers and automatic lights and satellite navigation and a sound system for the occasion where you might want to drive your bowler on the road because they're all road legal with number plates. They're like good old-fashioned rally cars that you had to drive from stage to stage. So I'm invited to Walters Arena in Wales, which is a off-roading and rally stage, uh, to experience these cars and there's me going along thinking oh they, they'll let me have a little drive around a bit of loose gravel and see what it's like maybe maybe splash through a puddle no 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 they got me ripping through the woods in these bowlers and my lord there will be a video on this coming out in the not too distant future so you'll be able to go and see and enjoy that um but yes jumping a land rover defender 90 in the air mid-corner Whilst splattering everyone in mud is nice. is quite is quite a day out. So yeah, that sounds like a one of those top days out where you come mm. away and you think, yeah, I like my job. This is quite fun. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a really busy week last week. Was, this is when I did it. It was uh, almost every single day, Sunday to Sunday, was flat out with some sort of work thing happening. 
Uh, and this the Thursday just happened to be come along and do the, th- the day with Bowler, and it was just ludicrous. But it gets better. Oh, really? Because um, after having Little Drive, the people from Bowler asked if I would be interested in taking part in one of their competitions next year Ooh. as a guest driver. <laughs> so they are going to be putting me through the um, bars license, the rally license. And I will be, I can say on this podcast, I will be driving a bowler defender competitively in 2023. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Do you have a, do you have a, like a, a passenger in this, a, um, what do you call it, navigator? In... Yes. Right. Yeah. So even... I think the, I'm try, I, I don't know enough about how the series work, but yeah, every car is set up to have a navigator. So there is a full seat and harnesses and the passenger side with uh, rally like trip computers and things so you can measure times at the stages. Um, but yeah, you can, so yeah, that might be something I'll have to learn, which is like understanding pace notes. I've been a co-driver before, but I've never been in the driving seat receiving pace notes from somebody else. That's going to be amazing. Yeah. You're going to have so much fun. I can see this little smile on John Marcotte's face where he's like, yeah. you can see the excitement is bubbling. Would you like to volunteer to be the pace note driver? I would be so bad. <laughs> I'm, I'm so, literally, I will say, let's turn left and physically walk right. Like, mm. I, I don't know my lefts and right. Oh, obviously, I do know them, but I'll, I'll just, I get mm. them wrong all the time. So, um, no, although... Yeah, and also I've started watching on you know social media apps uh, when these you get the onboard footage of these rally drivers and you just oh, think yeah, how yeah, yeah, the yeah, hell yeah. you try and listen to them and I think I, I understand maybe understood maybe seventy percent of what they just said like mm-hmm. talking about the, the the dips in roads and the little yeah. little wiggles and the I don't know what else the surface and I just think how first of all how can you say that so eloquently and at speed yeah and for then the driver to hear that and yeah. think, oh, don't worry, I understand all of that and I will adjust what I'm doing at speed yeah. to make sure that we don't come off and crash. Yeah. So um, thank well, you very much for the offer, but I think it'd be terrible. <laughs> so I, I would happily do it, but you would not win. We would not win. I see. We would do very, very badly. Okay. Maybe just come along and stand at the I side will do then. I can do yeah. that. I'll get some pictures. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, that was, that was amazing. Um, you, uh, dear listener and follower and viewer of content that we create, uh, we'll see a lot more from Bowler because of this nice little relationship that started. And I have to say, this is all completely, you know, none of this was planned. I didn't go along to the day thinking that I'd be leaving with even an inclination that I might be driving these cars again. I thought I was going to have a one a one shot try. Um, but yes, they, they were quite keen to um, explore that possibility. So, it yeah. might help that you are actually a very good driver and have driven professionally in the past. Well, that's so. very kind of you to say. Um, very kind. Maybe. But, um, <laughs> when I say professionally, I don't mean a tax driver. Like you've done, you've done <laughs> yeah. My Uber rating as a driver is very good. Yeah. But uh, yeah, trance is my passenger rating. Uh, yeah, well, no, that's very kind of you. It, it was... Um, yeah, it's it's a completely different discipline though. Even even on my like first few drives, there was a fantastic one of their uh, teams drivers, a guy called Dave, who was brilliant, and he was in the passenger seat with me. So we we're talking through the intercom, um, which is great, and you know he's talking me through how much faster I can be going, where I need to be braking, that sort of stuff. And at first, he identified it very quickly the fact that I was 
trying to correct the car as if I was driving on tarmac. Which mm-hmm. Of course, when you're driving on tarmac, if you're driving on a track day or in a, or a race, uh, you're constantly trying to avoid the car from sliding. So if the car starts to slide, you steer into it and correct it, and then away you go. Of course, with low grip, you want the car to be sliding because that can sometimes be a, a, a more efficient, quicker, smoother way to get through a corner. And on lower grip, it's going to happen. The car is going to slide. So, uh, yeah, he very quickly identified and, and told me off driving, <laughs> driving like I was on tarmac. And once I kind of got that into my head, it, it all became a lot smoother and easier. So, yeah, absolutely belting day out. That that was, a yeah, a strong a strong end to the year of driving because I don't think I've got any more cars booked in. I have requested a Land Rover Defender from Land Rover, but I don't know if I'll get that before Christmas. We'll see. Um, unless Mike Sayer comes forward. Hi, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Who does listen to this podcast, I know. So, hi, Mike. You, uh, we all love you dearly. Um, yeah, right. Um, have you driven anything other than your... 55 no, cars no other than a mark 7 because my other half wants me to oh yeah you're actually, new mark 7 yeah. which is very very different driving anything that old i don't know what year it is 50s a 50s mm. car um when you're having to look at a junction that is 300 meters away and when you think okay my braking point in whatever vehicle normal vehicle might be 100 meters away or whatever as long as you're not going silly fast mm. you know you have to start thinking about this at at least 500 meters or something that's being a bit too far at 300 meters you need to be thinking okay I need to start moving down my gears now because you need to brake, clutch, neutral, mm. clutch off, clutch on. Yeah, double blip. E clutch. Yeah, on yeah. moving. You know, it's, it's got to be a, as William keeps telling me, it's got to be an event. It's got to be something you 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 just have a lovely time doing. And I think no, I'm. I mean, I, I you know, I'm quite a, a high stress person all the time. This, mm. this doesn't work for me. Maybe it'll, hello, maybe it'll calm me down. Maybe hello. maybe this is the answer. Maybe this is the therapy. <laughs> I don't. You have to be smooth and precise and liquid. Uh, I'm late for nearly everything, and I talk too fast, and I cram too much into my days. I don't think a Mark Seven would would do me very well. But um, no. But never mind. I, I enjoy being passengered. That's quite nice because then it's a, mm. it's a very very it's like like sitting in a on a very nice sofa like yeah. a leather so, like a soft soft seated sofa of relaxation but it smells lovely as well oh it smells it's all original leather inside yeah. so it, i mean i'm not meant to be bigging this car up oh, i'm meant yeah. to think <laughs> so, uh, but I, I, okay saying something else nice it's got like these beautiful spats like i, I love a car with spats what's a spat you don't know what a spat is As, oh john marker a spat a spat, a spat is when you, on the rear wheels when you've got those covers Oh. They're, they're spats. Oh, well, the half covers. Yes. Yeah, like so the, go the, over half the wheel. Yes, although oh. like, most most of the wheel. So it usually follows the body line from the bottom oh, line of yeah. the car okay. all the way to the where the can you rear bump a bit is. But, so mm. there's a, it basically covers that rear wheel to make it a almost like more like a boat as such. Right. So your body, you get a massive body panel and oh, all the shapes. It's body. very beautiful. Uh-huh. Um, so I do like a car with spats. Well, yeah, I learned that. I didn't know that's what it, I just would have called it a wheel cover. <laughs> wheel cover. A spat. <laughs> spat. So, um, spat. but no, that's all I've driven recently, I think. Oh. Um, yeah, nothing more exciting than that. I've been driving various vehicles that, you know, things break down. And I thought I was going to have to hire a car the other day, last minute, ah. because all of the vehicles broke. Ah. And yeah, as they do. Um, but luckily, the, the BMW came through and the wheel that was broken got welded and fixed. Good. <laughs> and we was back on the road again. So no, nothing more exciting than that, I'm afraid. Oh, Sorry. Well, that's okay. I'm happy to, to see move on to moaning or to, to 
quick questions that we've been sent or anything yes, like that. Yes, we should. Well, let's... Um, goodness me, we've been going for over 45 we've minutes. We've been going for a while. Lord above. <laughs> how does this happen? Sorry, dear listener. Didn't realise you were in for quite a long one today, but hopefully we're keeping you company in some matter. And don't forget, you don't have to listen to this whole thing all the way through. In fact, let's go to an advert break. We're going to go to an advert break right now. You can enjoy some adverts. Uh, we can have a slurp of some delicious carburetta coffee that we're drinking. And um, then we'll come back with a, a, a letter and uh, or maybe some letters and some moans about what you don't like in the automotive world speak to you in 35 seconds the driven chat podcast in association with paramex digital ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There we go. We're back. We are back. We are back. <laughs> usually, I'd take that opportunity to run for a comfort break or go and top up a coffee or something. I didn't. We just stopped talking for <laughs> four seconds and we carried on. I usually look at John Markard to see if uh, what, what the direction of how we're going to do this is. <laughs> and we carried on. So I thought, okay, just cool. Carry- Did you want to stop? No, I'm oh, good. Right, we, okay, can carry on. Right, we can carry on. <laughs> so we, we teased at the very beginning of this episode that we are going to be having a good old moan. We recently put out a post on our social media feeds. I shall read that post to you. And admittedly, I must admit, it was quite last minute. So... Um, we don't. Uh, we're not going to be uh, critical for not having, not being inundated with messages. Although saying that, we have got quite a few. But I put out a post on our Instagram feed recently that said, "For an upcoming podcast, we would love to know what you think is the most annoying thing that other drivers do or don't do properly. What really grinds your gears about your fellow road user? What's a current car mod trend that makes you want to scream? What simple rule do you wish others would follow?" And if you could introduce a new driving law, what would it be? Now, I wasn't expecting everyone to answer all of those questions, but I thought hopefully there'll be something there that people can pick out. And we did get quite a few responses. But rather than this being the be-all and end-all categorisation of what everybody's doing wrong in the car world, uh, we'll use this as a little taster. And then you, dear listener, listening to this, if you think, hang on, you missed two or three points there then drop us an email, podcast at drivenchat.com. And then when Amy and I sit down again in probably February now, (laughs) um, we will address even more upsets and concerns. But this is great because it allows me to get really animated and upset, which is where I sit best in life, I find. Mark our moans. Mark our moans, Mm -hmm. he does. We did this once before. (laughs) I think it was episode four. It was really early on. It was a long time ago, wasn't it? It was, it was the original team. It was mm-hmm. you, me, Andy, and John Quirk. Yep. Who, by the way, I bumped me, into recently, John Quirk. He sent me a text yesterday and I forgot to get back to him. Sorry, oh, John. Sorry, John. I know. But, um, but how John, is he? he's great. <laughs> and guess, guess who John works for now? Oh, my God. I don't know. Gridserve. Really? Yes. Oh, maybe I, oh, so there's maybe gonna I don't be... want to do Because he's obviously asked for a photo shoot and I don't know if I want to do a Gridserve photo shoot. Well, it, might be, it might be excellent. <laughs> Really? Yeah. <laughs> but yes, uh, John, you are the future when it comes to uh, improving the electric infrastructure of the UK. So 
hurry along, would you? <laughs> um, so yes, uh, yeah, last time we did this was the original, the original four team. Amy Shaw, John Marker, Andy J, and John Quirk. And I got a little bit upset and animated about various things that I don't link in the car world and invited others to get in touch with theirs. And they did. But we haven't recapped on it since then. So that was in summer 2020. A long time and Look ago. at us now. We're approaching the end of 2022. Uh, but before we get there, there is one letter. Oh, yes. And I, I must apologise to Richard, uh, Richard Dawson, who sent this in on the 17th of October. So that must have been just after. Oh, that was the day the that day our we did episode the went yes. out. Um, Richard, I hope that this is still a valid question because um, some time has passed since then. But hi, Amy and John. Love listening to your chats whilst out on the morning walk with my slightly potty Springer Spaniel, Izzy. Hello, Izzy. Hello, Izzy. Izzy. <laughs> I wonder if that works. Uh, my question is, I have a budget of £2,000 and I'm looking for a vehicle that isn't too boring, perhaps a little sporty and won't cost the earth to run. So what should I get? I should confess that I'm addicted to minis, both classic and new. Good lad. Just to help some of my other cars I've owned over the years are classic minis, lots uh, new Mini Several, 205 GTI, Clio Trophy 182, Lotus Elise, and for some reason, a Discovery Mark 1. <laughs> I'm glad you said that, Richard, because, yeah, what on earth are you doing there? Um, actually, there's something quite charming about a Mark 1 Discovery. Yeah. Uh, just to add something else into the mix instead of car, should I get my CBT done yes. and then get a bike? Ooh. I'm not 16 years old anymore but very old, just entering my fifth decade, but who's counting? Here, here. Uh, then I could potter around for a while whilst I do my bike test and get a rather lovely Royal Enfield. Now, there's a lot of sense in your email there, Richard Dawson. Um, you, Amy, have had a look. You had a quick browse on Autotrader before we started recording. I did. Uh, because you're committed to our dear listener, who in this case is Richard, um, <laughs> to try and help with his search. Now, I... £2,000 is an interesting budget. It's not a, not a bad budget. There are plenty of things you can look at for £2,000. But the my follow-up question, which I appreciate is a difficult one to answer in audio form when the audio is only going one way, is do you have lots of other spare bits of money just in case things need to be repaired? Because that, be, yes. that would be the only thing I would think of. Is when I, I'd like to think if I was spending two grand on a sporty car, I'd probably need another grand to sort, fix, repair... Lots of, yes. Mm. But what did you find? Well, I only had a very, very quick look. However, off the top of our heads when we were chatting just before, both of us agreed with an easy MX-5. Yep. Which is a little sporty thing. Then again, I don't know, you could, there must be a range of MX-5s for that price oh, and so. more and yeah. less. Um, but one of our lovely apprentices at the workshop does also drive to work every day in an MX-5. So mm. I think, you know, if a 19-year-old can kind of get one and have a lovely time with it, then yeah, there's probably a good good range out there. Yep. Um, I'm a sucker for a Ford Puma. I think they're great. Mm. You can definitely have them a little bit sporty, but again, not silly, won't break the bank also, with the repairs, super easy. Yeah. They've got things like heated windscreens. I absolutely love those cars. Yeah, yeah. They, are, they are very, very good cars. They can. To drive. As a driver's car, they're fantastic. Exactly. So that, that's probably where I would lean to. But also, I'm personally a big lover of some of these uh, late 90s, early noughties alphas. Mm. And you can get a lot of, you know, they are, well, then again, your repair costs for, for those. You might be a little bit yeah. over budget because they do tend to rot and have a few things that go wrong so with them. So you mean the Alpha Spider T-Spark, the ones with those lovely round front headlights? Yes. Mm. I'm writing a list here. So I'm going to write MX5 <laughs> Alpha T-Spark. You've, you've forgotten the best one. Spider. Uh, the best Puma. One. 
Oh, the Puma. Puma. Yes, Puma. See, that's a good shout, actually, because I noticed, other than the Elise, um, all of these cars are front-wheel drive cars. Oh, and the Discovery Mark 1, obviously, that's four-wheel drive. But perhaps there's an, a, a particular affiliation to front-wheel drive cars in which the Puma would tick all those boxes. The MX-5 being rear-wheel drive, but lightweight is great fun. Uh, the Alpha, I, ooh, uh, no, that'll be front-wheel drive. Hmm. Yeah. Was there any others, or is that your? That, 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 is that, that was, our short list. That was um, that was the the short short list. Yeah. But um, I mean, did you think of anything else off the top of your head? Well, no. I mean, I, I there is a there is the BMW Z3 angle oh, we yeah. go down as well. A variance of engines and and very 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 good value actually those at the moment. So um, worth having a play. Go and I just go and have a drive. See what you think because it's one of those things that you know. My my giveaway to people who say you know what's a good car, what's a reliable car, or one that's enjoyable. I always think well, just drive to a relatively fun area, like a, a good road that people use for cars, or go to somewhere like Cafe the Machine and just mm-hmm. look at what people are turning up in. Yeah. If they're turning up in MX fives, Z threes, Alphas, Ford Pumas, there's a reason, and the reason is they're they're very good, and with a bit of love and care and spend, they will survive and they will live on. So. Yeah. That is my consumer advice. Just um, looking at another little auto trader kind of search, we have also got the uh, Mercedes SLK 2.3 oh. compressor yeah, with yeah. a K. Uh, yeah. That's. I mean, I am just focusing on convertibles at the minute. So a Suzuki Jimny has also come up, but that's not quite the sporty <laughs> aspect that I think they wanted. Um, but no, there's a, there's a lot of fun things you can get. Yeah. And yeah, yeah for a couple of grand, it's... Um, I think it's quite a nice little challenge. So maybe, dear listener, you help us out. Yeah. If there's anything you think, ah, this, get one of these, mm. do send us a message. Although the CBT thing, I, oh, you know, yeah. I can vouch for that as well. My life was improved tenfold when I learned how to ride a motorcycle. Yes. Um, and I, I firmly believe that as long as you're sensible, Richard, which I gather you are from, by the way you write your email, um, you'll be you'll be fine. And, you know, it doesn't matter that you're in your fifth decade at all it's you know if you are looking at something like a royal enfield to ride around like a lovely old continental or an interceptor you'd have a great time on that i suppose that's almost a slight problem though when you because i think that honestly learning to ride a bike is the best thing i've done learned to do as a, as a grown-up mm. so i was yeah. 26 when i when i learned to ride mm-hmm. um so not super old but old enough that i'm not like a teenager just yeah. learn how to read the roads um but when you do now th- forgive me if this is wrong mm. but when you do become a more kind of an older gentleman, then suddenly when you think to yourself, hang on a second, this is something I think could be really cool. I've been a car person for the, the whole mm. of my life. Now let's look into bikes. People will surely then point and go, ah, oh, midlife crisis. And you think, no, it's not. I no. just think it'd be really good fun. So I would say to Richard, if you don't want to get something like a Ford Puma, yes, big yes to the, mm. the bike side and uh yeah just say screw you to anybody that's like oh it's a midlife oh, crisis I think, I think the midlife crisis thing is always a jealousy this jealousy call isn't it yeah, oh, look, you've like... only bought us you've only bought a 50 grand sports car because you're having a midlife no it's because you can afford it and go away <laughs> yeah and it's really good fun <laughs> yeah. why wouldn't i do this yeah i've made better <laughs> life choices than you and therefore i can afford this um, so no crack on let us know how you get on richard yeah and um and we're both big Royal Enfield fans as well, so huge yeah, huge Royal Enfield fan. Massive advocate for Royal Enfield. I think yep. uh, as a first bike, I think it would be great. Perfect. And that, as you say, I think the there is a lot to be said for the sensible decision of opting for motorbikes later in life. I remember hearing a bit of advice when I was 16, 17, and that was from a friend of mine's dad who said, 
promise me that whatever you do, you won't try to learn the road on a motorcycle. Oh, learn the road in a car mm-hmm. and then upgrade to motorcycles. Um, and like you, I was a late bloomer to, to bikes. I didn't do my CBT until I was 28 years mm-hmm. old. And um, I'm so glad I did it that way around. And yeah, I think it completely changes the way you drive a car and gives you a whole new outlook on motoring. as a a two-wheeled rider so for anyone that's there kind of you know scratching their head going oh yeah i'm still thinking about the cbt thing go and do it go and do it have a go um what is it 80 90 quid for a cbt course that will give you enough of a taster that's although you'd have got to buy the helmet and the jacket yes very good so it does get expensive quickly Mm. but it's still cheaper i bet you could do that cheaper than buying your your two thousand pounds uh car yeah even with a bike like i think my one thing yeah my uh 1985 honda 125 honda cg 125 uh cost me 850 pounds and then my helmet was probably 400 pounds jacket was i don't know you can i I wanted a nicer jacket than less nice but Mm. um you can you quite quickly get it for a lot less than a lot less than that that's including bike and tests and stuff like that that's very good that's very good or they don't ever be tempted to buy cheap crash helmets that's my consumer advice your head goes inside those quite expensive (laughs) your head isn't worth more than anything um Good, right. I feel like we've answered a question. Now, if you, dear listener, have a question that you think that Amy and I might be able to answer for you, uh, comprehensively or otherwise, podcast at drivenchat.com. Send us an email. We will look at that and offer some advice, maybe good, maybe bad. (laughs) Now, the headline. The headline event of this podcast, which is addressing the collective concerns of our dear listeners in what is wrong with the motoring world. <laughs> and I'm delighted by this. I've taken screenshots of the Instagram messages that we've received and I've printed them all out. Uh, you also, Amy, had some, because you put it out, you very kindly shared it on your profile as well. That I did. And had a lot of people messaging you there. Um, so where Spreading do we out. start? Spreading all out all of the with... many pieces of paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think we should start... At the beginning, with okay. the, the one message that, that came through, I'm guessing, to you, uh, Driven Chat, directly mm-hmm. uh, from Matthew, because it's actually one of the, it's different to the rest of the ones that we have got. So I think it's a fair, oh, yeah. that one. Matthew Pitts, who yes. I think has emailed us before. Oh, thanks, Matthew. Hi, Matthew. So he says, when waiting to turn left or go straight on at a junction, when someone stops on my right, slightly beyond the line, so I can't see anything coming, particularly annoying when I'm in something low and small and they're in something high up and massive. Mm. So, yes, I mean, when I'm either in, if I'm in an MGB, my MGB GT, I Mm. understand this frustration because then I've also got quite a long, quite a long, longish bonnet to to cab. So Mm. then you've sort of got, got to kind of edge out to the middle of the road because you think, I can't see anything around you. So... That would frustrate me because then you're... Yeah. Oh, no, my you're going to well, disagree. My only counter to it, and this, of course, bear in mind, American friends, turning left because we drive on the left side of the road versus right side of the road. And I only say that because we've got an awful lot of American listeners now. Hello. Um, the It would be the same for going right. Uh, what I'm, In, in um, contrast to Matthew's complaint, I often don't mind being in that scenario. As long as the person who's sat to your right has got a brain, because at the point that they need to pull out, yes. at that point, you're shielded. 
I do, so if they're yeah. going, you're definitely able to go. Works on a roundabout. Yeah. When people tend to be moving at, not speed, but, you know, people go quite quickly. Whereas if yeah. you're at a junction where it's a busy junction mm. and you think that person, if they're like, oh, I need to make sure that there's a big gap because I can't do clutch True. control and yeah. get out on yeah. time, that would frustrate me. Yeah. It's very, um, very naive of me to assume that other road users are not idiots. So, <laughs> um, yes, it's a valid complaint, Matthew. Um, um, but yeah, it was one of those ones that it's a difficult one to categorise because it's just, I don't think it's ever going to stop, is it? No, I don't think it will. I'm going to go off on a moan. I don't know if it's written down, but I, mm-hmm. I've not seen it. I'm going to go from a similar moan from that. When you are behind, in a queue to, to get out at a junction and in the UK, because we drive on the left side of the road, turning right onto a junction is always the thing that takes the longest because you've got to yeah. look for both ways of traffic. Yeah. And you want to go left. So... You just think, oh, I can just sneak up the side of this queue of traffic if there's, Uh, you know, just one or two cars in front of you. But then there's that one car, which is like, hey, I'm going to sit in the middle of this lane right now and this uh, road. And you just think you could so easily have just 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 move to the right a little bit and I could go past. But they just don't think of anyone else but themselves. And then you think, oh. That's yeah. my little moan. Middle, uh, well, lane hogging. I think that oh is goodness. probably the one that's come up the most. So, I mean, categorizing junction lanes, lane discipline to motorway lane discipline. But that, I think, if there was a, uh, if there was a most common, I think comment, seventy-five percent uh, of our responses were middle lane or hoggers or, or lane hogging. Yeah. In, in if you're in the the in the you know the, the right hand lane and you've just decided to stick at, I don't know. 69 miles an hour and you just think just just move into the middle lane or just move over now so that the rest of us can get past yeah i i've just counted uh nine of our messages wow that are uh, yeah dedicated well specifically picking out lane discipline and lane hogging um <laughs> staying in the middle lane on the motorway grr somebody's written there um, lots of capital letters middle going lane on. Hog- yeah lots of angry <laughs> angry capital letters uh Joe Skulls and Snaps has sent us kindly about five messages. Motorway lane discipline. <laughs> WTF, there is none, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. Um, yeah, you're right. Sitting, um, Callie, another regular listener, sitting in an overtaking lane and not overtaking anything. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 What not... the hell is that all about? Because then when, you're in, when you are in the left lane, you do want to actually overtake the lorry that's in front of you. They've just sat there in the, you know, to your right and usually just behind you as well. So you're mm. constantly thinking, are you still there? Are you still there? And they are. And you just think, just either overtake me or don't. Just don't sit there. Yeah. Oh, this is the. F- yeah. Uh, but I also, yeah. There's there's some there's some good moaning of of middle lane, uh, whole lane hoggers in general. Um. So uh, a friend of ours uh, has also Matthew Matt Hi, has Matt. said uh, maybe a new law should be uh, brought in to increase speed limits and then that way people could just whoop round. Driving in the wrong lanes. New law increase speed limits. Yeah. Well. Hmm. Yeah. It was debated, wasn't it? I think for a while, and then people realised that if we went up by even five miles an hour, it'd be worse for the planet because the more co2 comes oh, out fair enough that's the problem got it um, but you're right i mean the thing is like most people on the motorway drive at 80 it would seem uh, not advocating it but it just seems that that is the go-to speed um so perhaps if it was increased and and therefore if perhaps most of us were driving evs it might work but then i guess you're depleting batteries faster i don't know it's very complicated mm-hmm. um but yes wrong lanes yeah uh, matt has pointed out like many others it is extremely frustrating but like again like we said at the beginning of this podcast the chances are people that drive in the wrong lanes on motorways 
don't realise they're driving in the wrong lanes on motorways. They have absolutely no idea they're doing anything wrong. So when you're, <laughs> you know, you look at them as if to say, are you a moron? Um, they often look back at you as if to say, what's that moron looking at? <laughs> yeah, so it's a tricky one, isn't it? We've had one, one person say exactly the same, middle lane uh, hoggers, uh, also the same people that don't clear snow from their lights and side windows. Oh, yeah. On my drive Seen here today, yeah. literally, I thought that is an absolute, no, no lights on, this is another, another one that seems to be coming up quite regularly, lights, no lights on, when sh- there definitely should be lights on. Or if you drive a car that's the same colour as the road, or you're going to come a darker colour and you don't put lights on because you think, oh, but I can see. Yes, yes, Ben has come up with that. Silver slash grey cars not turning lights on in grey weather. Mm-hmm. It's such a valid point. And I think, you know, I, I forgive some for driving modern cars that have uh, DRLs, daytime running lights, because sometimes you are given the illusion that your lights are on. And, of course, dashboards now light up regardless of whether you've got lights on or lights off. So it can be easy to forget. But there are still a lot of people that consciously drive around, drive along motorways in the pouring rain. Oh, my goodness. And don't put their lights on. And, yeah, and this is another thing about motorbikes. If, you, if you've experienced riding as a, on a motorcycle in the rain, you've got wet rain on your visor, your mirrors are shaking and vibrating, so you can't really see anything that's behind you. You're already restricted to see what's in front of you. And a car that doesn't have its lights on versus a car that does is complete night and day. It makes mm-hmm. a huge difference. Uh, so if in doubt, just turn your headlights on. I just put them on all the time yeah. now. I'm not even thinking about it. I just whoop on. If anything, my automatic headlights in the BMW don't come on enough for my liking. So I switch them on manually quite mm. a lot. Yes. Yeah, just especially when it's, you know, super bright, low winter light yeah. and you're driving or alternatively you're, well you know you're driving into the sunlight and you've got cars coming the other way that are backlit and do not have their lights on you cannot see them especially if it's been raining and the the road is very bright and you just think i just need to be able to see you a little bit better than i can mm-hmm. but going yeah. off on that talking still on the conversation the, the moan of lights mm-hmm. People coming towards you who don't dim their main beam whilst driving in pitch black countryside. Yes. You can you can see if you're coming over a hill or or around a corner, you can see if somebody else is coming the other way. And you think to yourself, or I think, I better dim my headlights before or dip my headlights before I am face to face with that car. Yes. Not once I'm face to face with that car. Correct. My other complaint on that same line is modern cars that have automatic dimming main beam headlights. Too slow. Here's the thing, folks. They don't work. (laughs) They don't work. There is always a second or even half a second delay because your onboard computer needs to recognise from its camera that there is a car coming in the other direction and that car has its headlights on and therefore that's a car that doesn't want to be blinded so therefore the automatic main beam headlights that you have currently switched on on the car must be turned off now in that time it all happens very quickly but that's still half a second of going oh for god's sake every time (laughs) and especially if you're in something a little old or classic or something that i'm probably driving Mm. um that bright flash of light with my little candles at yes, the front yes. means I really cannot see anything. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mercedes, I mean, I drive around in a, a modern day Mercedes-Benz product that has those automatic headlights on. They are fantastic for driving down country lanes and picking out darker areas of the road. The LED laser light technology things are very good, but I will always take them off when I can see the car coming because I know, because I've been on the receiving end of the other Mercedes product that comes along the road <laughs> around a tight corner and suddenly it's like somebody just taking your photograph. It's just this of light. <laughs> Can't see a thing. Then, you know, before you know it, you're, you're back down a 
dark and dismal uh, countryside back lane and you're crashing into a tree because you've just been dazzled uh, yeah automatic headlights get in the bin they're awful <laughs> they're absolutely awful can i also have a moan and mm. it's not actually it won't be any driver's fault this this is a moan to the oems uh-huh. when because i've been in one of these cars and you again if you're in something a little bit lower as well the headlights which are now automatic too bright and ever so slightly too high yes and i can't make those dip any lower no, and I, even, no. even on the twiddly dally thing when you're trying to bring your, your headlights down yeah. like i have, i know i have blinded people in front of me because i'm yeah. like i'm so sorry they don't go down any further yeah or if i'm in a in a well yeah anything that a driver than the defender if they're in my you know rear view mirror i'm being blinded and i just mm-hmm. think just why why so bright and why so high yep I uh, completely agree with you. I was testing out, or oh, it'll be last year actually, but it was an X7 BMW. That's mm-hmm. a big car, very tall. And the I found that with the just the standard dip beam headlights, they sit very high on the adjustment, which means that anybody coming the other way just thinks you've got your main beams on. Flashy. So you end up getting flashed. You're like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to prove you wrong in such a horrible way. Yep. You hit your main beams and it's like, okay, fair enough. But yes, um, you know, perhaps there's some sort of mechanical change you can do under the bonnet or something. But yes, it's a it's a perfectly valid argument. I see it a lot. Um, I've been on both the giving and the receiving end of that. And I feel tremendously guilty when I'm driving a car that I know is blinding others. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I'm the one grumbling, looking through squinted eyes on an already dark road <laughs> when I'm the one getting blinded. So yeah, not much fun. The other thing for me as well that I found, and again, it's always in that transition time as the evenings get longer or, or the, the, the nights get darker as the evenings come in is uh, you realise just how bright modern-day brake lights are when you're sitting in traffic. When you're Mm. sat behind an SUV or something and it's got its brake lights on because it's driving an automatic and you're being blinded by this bright red light, I consciously put the car into neutral or park if I'm sat in traffic because I know that the lights on the back of my Mercedes are blinding the poor person in the Fiat Panda behind me. I will always dip into uh, into park or neutral also i think it's better for the gearbox isn't it to put it into or is that more older automatic more cars? so on the older automatics okay. but um it's just a nice habit you yeah know, it's it's a convenience thing and of course a lot of modern cars have the brake hold thing as well you push the pedal down a little bit harder so you can then take your foot off the brake pedal without the car rolling forward that's great for that convenience of not having to knock the gearbox into one setting and put it into park or neutral but it does mean that poor old doris behind you is getting her cataract (laughs) absolutely blasted by your led red lights sorry doris sorry doris uh do you want to pick another moan we've got Um, i've I've been playing like moan bingo on my sheets in front of me by crossing off the ones that are there's a couple uh on the subject of lights there's a few people that have come up with um driving with the fog lights on when it's not foggy yes what's that about you've got on your dashboard You've got little lights to indicate what your lights you have on. And if you've got a blue one, it's telling you your main beams are on, so turn them off. If you've got a yellow one that looks like a jellyfish being shot through the air, then that means your rear fog lights are on. Turn them off. <laughs> um, I get that fog lights are useful when you are in intense fog, but here's the reality. How many times have you actually been in fog that's dense enough to warrant putting your fog lights on? And I know there will be people listening in far-flung corners of the world that go, oh, well, actually, every day. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, in the UK, I can think of maybe two occasions in the past 10 years when the visibility has been less than 10 metres that's made me think, I'm going to pop them on yeah. because it's dangerous. Or the same with rain as well. I can see what sometimes putting on, in, you know, when you're on the motorway, there's a if it's lot torrential, of, torrential, yeah, lots yeah. of spray, put them on. But as soon as it stops, switch them off. Turn them off. Yep. Turn them off. It doesn't look good. No, <laughs> it's not good. It's not a good look. For you or me. Um, somebody called Awesome Autumn Riley. 
has, uh, I think that's one of your followers. Oh, there we, yeah, I see. I see has yes. said, people who don't know how to zipper merge make my eye twitch in anger. <laughs> now, we talked about this on the last, was it the last one we did? It was, one of these? yeah. Uh, yes, you're absolutely right. Filter lanes. People, learn how to filter. It's not difficult. Don't merge early. Merge late. I know that you may think that you're being rude and inconsiderate to every other road user, but do you know what? You're not. You're actually improving the efficiency of the road. If the road merges in 600 yards, merge in 600 yards. Not now. (laughs) Then you're that way freeing up your lane and the lane that you're merging into because it's all fluidly moving together at the point that it needs to merge together. Not before... You know, when you, have you ever tried zipping up your jacket, but zipping up from the, the top when you're already starting at the bottom? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It causes chaos. Do you think then out of, this is not me saying I do it, I'm asking. Mm. Do you think that you should slow down your speed slightly as you're going down that merging lane, just so you, especially if there's a massive queue of traffic, you know what I mean? And you think to yourself, they're going 20 miles an hour. I could still go 60 miles an hour. Or do you feel like you should slow down, A, from a, oop, from a safety point of view, or from a, uh, like a, a sorry, I'm overtaking you all point of view? Uh, it's a tricky one. I mean... I am, I, I will hold my hands up and admit that I could probably be account, held accountable and guilty for zipping a little bit faster than necessary <laughs> along that empty lane, merging lane. Um, I just wish that everybody would do it because then if everybody did it, it would be firstly so much more efficient and then you wouldn't have that. Because I still get the guilt complex as I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. I'm still like, ah, oh, I feel a bit like I'm pushing in front of all these people. But I'm not. I'm improving the efficiency of the highway. Yes. And therefore, everyone else needs to do it as well. And, and, you know, to some people, it's second nature. It makes perfect sense. And to other people, it's as if you've slapped their child in the face. You know, the reaction <laughs> that you get from some people for simply using the road in which it was designed to be used. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, uh, awesome Autumn Riley. I hope I've pronounced that correctly. You're absolutely bang on. Thank you for pointing it out. Yep. Um, Ten points to you. A couple of ones that I'm actually surprised about, but mm. totally agree with. Um, people who use their phones whilst driving, deliberately choosing not to pay attention, is the worst. Yeah, this is this used to. I think over like the when we were kids, especially there were a lot of adverts on TV about not using your phone whilst driving mm. and how you know it's quite shocking adverts as well. And I think in recent kind of years, that's kind of people have forgotten about those those adverts and it, yeah. it, I, I do see it a lot more on the on the drive here today I I saw it and then I just thought oh how frustrating because the guy wasn't concentrating and mm. I thought you anyway plonker that's what I thought plonker it's yeah it uh, it still baffles me I think there's a, a perfect blend isn't there of the convenience of cars now so a lot of new cars have automatic lane assist or adaptive cruise control so it means you can effectively click a button on your steering wheel and the car will keep the relevant distance from the car in front without you needing to brake or accelerate. And it will also keep itself in lane, which I think perhaps encourages people to go, well, the car's kind of got this. I'll pick up my phone. I'll check WhatsApp. Uh, but yeah, it's really annoying because, of course, it's, uh, it does result in accidents. The Again, as a motorcyclist, it's something you see often, isn't mm. it? You're filtering through traffic. It's the amount of, and it's the amount of vehicles. And this is another one that Joe has pointed out, Skulls and Snaps. Um, she's pointed out uh, the... Um, number of times you see a vehicle doing this that really should know better. So things like lorries, courier drivers, mm-hmm. professional drivers, Royal Mail drivers. The amount of times I've ridden on a motorcycle past a Amazon van or a Royal Mail van and the driver is on their phone because they're hitting whatever their next delivery stop is. And I get that you're going to have to use your little iPhone or whatever it is you've got to get you to your next point. But 
when you're driving along, looking at that and not looking at the road, it just blows my mind that mm-hmm. this, these are people driving professionally. Um, I mean, it's perhaps um, an indication as to why Royal Mail and Amazon delivery vans are all written off immediately. <laughs> you know, the amount of times I've seen a brand new 2022 registration, beautiful Mercedes Sprinter van with an Amazon Prime logo on the side, and it basically looks like it's rolled down a mountain because it's just driven down the road. <laughs> Uh, I can understand why, because the drivers are perhaps on their phones. Mm, perhaps. Don't use your phone whilst you drive. Stop it. Otherwise, you are a knob. Um, <laughs> uh, we've got one that's, again, popped up a couple of times. It's a moan about a car mod. Oh, yeah. And I'm gonna, I am gonna. think you know what car mod I'm about to talk about. Yeah, is. yeah I can see it. There's a couple of them. Uh, <laughs> would it be 3D number plates Bingo. by any chance? But it's like bingo. We, we, we're, <laughs> Amy and I sat opposite each other with a pen each. We're ticking off our sheets as we go through. Um, 3D number plates. I've moaned about this a couple of times. Yeah. What on earth are you playing at? Stop it. Stop. <laughs> there is not one car in the world. No, there is. Okay. Anything from the 70s. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. I'll get to that. <laughs> Period okay. is fine. Oh, there's me smacking the mic. I've already smacked my mic as well. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, if you're listening with headphones, it's not a thunderstorm. It's just Amy and I with terrible studio <laughs> etiquette. Um, yeah, 3D gel, specifically the gel number yeah. plates, they look so bad. It looks like a kid that's just been like, I've got a car, I've got a number plate. That's basically what it is. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry if you've just invested hundreds of pounds in a lego number plate but it looks <laughs> awful oem is it looks the best keep it oem but as you have quite rightly said that amy there are there is an era the 1970s and early 80s where there were 3d number plates and if it's period and it works with the car fill your boots metal press plates fill your boots if it's period and correct if you've got a modern car that looks like it might be an old car and you put metal press plates on go to jail go straight to jail do not pass go do not pick up 200 pounds you have sinned um i think it should become a a culture to call out our fellow driver um perhaps the traffic lights you know like if you sit in traffic lights and you see someone with their fog lights on mm-hmm. you go oh sorry mate your, your fog lights are on or your door's open you should also remind people, oh, I don't know if you realise, but somebody's put 3D number plates on your car and it looks <laughs> So get that, get them off. I've just um, thought of a really big mode of mine. Do you want to, I might, the next time I see it, I think I'm going to do a little Instagram moan, okay. like just to my own, my own followers, because it annoys me so much when, when, you, when you park, especially when you park on a terrace street and everybody's got to try and park it's kind of, you know, mm-hmm. well organised so everyone can fit on the street. Yeah. And when you park, if you see the end of that parking bay line bit, you know, where there's a row of, I don't know, you could fit five cars there. Mm. But if you park even a quarter length of a car away from that end bit, uh, use up the whole space because, yeah. oh. Yeah, because then if everyone else moves, you've maximised the capability of that yep. section of boxes. I agree. That's. I hope that made sense when I was it trying does. to explain the that. Only, yeah. But the only um, the only counteraction to that could be that perhaps a motorcycle was parked at the very end. So I sometimes think that. <laughs> the amount of times I see it, I think, I doubt motorcyclists have managed to get that end space that many mm. times. No, you're right. It's probably, right. yeah, the end, that frustrates me. It is, it is very, very frustrating. Yeah, very, very frustrating. Um, on the subject of 
the car mods and putting on things that shouldn't be there. Sorry, I went I. on 3D number plates. No, 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 you carry on. I think it's very important. Um, we uh, have had another one in, which I'm surprised we didn't get more of these, actually. It's coming from Joe. Joe has said... A, uh, Audi A1s, Audi A3s, BMW 116Ds and BMW 320Ds, uh, l- lower spec cars that always want to race. Now, I'll admit, when I started reading that, that wasn't where I thought it was going. I, <laughs> I thought this was going to be misbadging cars. <laughs> but you, you've moaned about that in the past. You can go I your have. own personal moan about misbadging. I will. I moan about that. But I get what you're saying. But then I, I look at the you know those entry-level cars. We've all been there as a new driver and thought we've got something fairly exciting and quick. Uh, but yeah, you're right. There, there have been many times where I've been you know, driving on the motorway and there's, yeah, perhaps I'm quite happily bumbling along on the inside lane listening to a podcast or something. And then there's a, there's always like a, I don't know, Deo Matiz who must be absolutely pinning it on the red line. Like the governor <laughs> is glowing red because he's on the red line doing 150 miles an hour trying to get past an AMG Mercedes. You're like, what are you doing? Bonker. What do you think you're driving? Just... Just stop. So, yeah, I do get what you mean, Joe. That could le- lead into, actually, um, Chrissy. That's uh, up uh, up one and right, and right one. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and it's interesting. I've experienced this. You probably wouldn't have experienced this, John Marker, um, as a female driver. Okay. When a man can't stand a woman, overtake him and races to overtake you again. Does that happen? It does happen. And it also happens if you're in a smaller car. So if I'm overtaking somebody who's driving another moan I could go on to from Rob who says folks not keeping up with the flow of traffic for example doing 37 in a 60 such as on a country lane mm, yes, when Rob. you think okay you are doing 37 in a 60 I'm gonna overtake you now in my mini as a female mm. and they see you and they think oh I'm not, I'm not letting that happen and then they speed up and then you think well I've not obviously got the power of an AMG Mercedes so we, I'm either gonna have to well, floor it unsafely, which I do not want to do, mm. or back off and pull back in again. In which case they're like, oh, yeah, you're plonker. And then they go back <laughs> to going 37 miles an hour. Yeah. This does happen. Okay. That is interesting. Yeah. I've never even thought of that. It, yeah, small cars and being female happens. I see. Um, but no, there we wow. are. That's, that's a little moan for you. No, Two that's va- very valid. Very valid. <laughs> I'd like to hear I, I wish we got more from our female listeners. I, I do understand we have a slightly male demographic i think a cast on our stats it's just that 84 percent of our listeners are male oh really which actually is not too bad that's pretty good i'd like it to be a bit more even but um <laughs> yes um lady drivers um yeah let me know if you have yeah let us know if you have similar stories that you think might just be because you appear to be a girl so it's <laughs> yeah it upsets me it's very, i would like very to tough. hear those moans yeah definitely um the, the thing that I thought Joe was going to mention was the misbadging of cars, which, again, it just absolutely blows my mind. I don't understand it. Uh, in fact, somebody has pointed it out, and I'm going to fire through the messages to find it. Somebody, I'm sure, has mentioned something about people putting the colours, the M, BMW M colours on their grills. Oh, I didn't see any. No, I'm sure. Um, I think that I'm might... sure I saw that. I think that's in your head. Because no, it annoys I'm sure, you. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure I saw that. I've read all of these about four times looking for different ones. It's not on there. Oh. <laughs> is my imagination... Ah, I've got it. Alexander Where? Ryan. There. Bottom net... Bot, uh, next to Joe's A1s, A3s, 116s and 320s. Oh, it's 3D be- number plates. This is his starter. Got Can't it. stand them. Two right, Alexander. BMW M colours on the grill. grill. Okay. I'll give you that. Yeah. Here, here. What's wrong with them being on the grill? I thought they lived on the grill. 
No, no. <laughs> okay. what, what Alexander means is you can buy bits of tape from Amazon or other online what, Like online electrical services, tape. Like electrical tape. And they put the <laughs> blue... this? Yeah, they put the blue, <laughs> the, the two blues and the red on their grills because once upon a time in the 1970s, one racing car did it. And therefore, they go, oh, well, maybe that will show that people don't drive an M car by putting it on. Because the thing is, if you go and buy an M4 competition or an M3 competition or an M5 competition or an M8 competition, guess what you don't see on the grill? The M colours put into the actual grill slats. Because do you know why? No. It looks <laughs> So don't do that. Uh, I don't understand it. And it's never on an M car. It's never, ever, ever on an M car. It's always on a 320D. Or a one one six D or it or always. I might just put them on my uh, my three thirty D. If you put <laughs> the M colours on your non not even M Sport three thirty D, then I will find the keys and hide it <laughs> in a canal. <laughs> so don't don't I don't understand it. And the other thing as well, yeah, the, the misbadging of cars. If you if you drive a three twenty D M Sport and your car did not come with an M badge on the back. You are perfectly not within your rights to go on Amazon, buy a fake Chinese pattern part M badge and put it on your car because it looks ridiculous. <laughs> Anybody that knows what an M car is knows that that is not an M car. Anyone that doesn't know what an M car is doesn't care. <laughs> so who are you appeasing? Yourself? I don't understand. Their own ego, I think, and self-esteem. But it's... it's BMWs do it with the M badges. The amount of um, Mercedes, you know, three twenty CDs, uh, or sorry, yeah, three thir- uh, whatever Mercedes diesel products that have an AMG badge on the back, and then it were always wonky, always, always <laughs> wonky because they bought them off of eBay. They've gone, oh, I'll just stick that on the back. Should we have a look and measure it up? No, let's just smack it on the back. It's done. So they're always wonky. They always look awful. I don't understand it. I see it with the Audi RS badges as well. RS badges on a car that's never, ever even seen an RS engineer in its life. It needs to stop. Mm-hmm. It, it does. It needs to stop. <laughs> um, I think we're almost there. I, I, one of my favourite ones here is, is a, a sideways one. Just says, Kai drivers, just WTF, flat out every, everywhere, often with kids on board. Dangerous. Equals dangerous. I've, I've never seen this, but I'm now going to look um, out for these cash car drivers. It's interesting that cash car drivers have been pointed out because I often wonder, and I, I do this a lot, especially on long motorway drives, I often think, what is the car? What is the stereotypical car that almost certainly will contain a bad driver? And I know for many years, perhaps rightly so, it's been Peugeot drivers. If yeah. you see a Peugeot driver, you know that chances are that's going to be a bad driver. But as times have gone on, I think that there are multiple new brands, even a lot of expensive brands like Tesla. Yeah. Again, like I said earlier, you're not necessarily buying a Tesla because you're a car person. You're buying it because you want a, a, a perfectly adequate EV to get you from A to B with a good charging network. Uh, and there are certain cars that would come along that perhaps indicate I'm not a driver, I'm not a car person, but I need a car to get from A to B, and therefore I'm terrible at driving because I hate it. And that's something that's always blown my mind as well. I speak to certain people, they go, oh, I just don't enjoy driving, I hate it, it really stresses me out. Stop, stop driving then, for goodness <laughs> sake, because you're putting the rest of us at risk. Um, but yeah, I do often wonder, is there a car that is just typically, you look at it and go, oh no, a cash car. I, they're going to crash into me or or a Nissan Juke. Duke, I often I think of Nissan Juke. Nissan Juke, yeah. I don't know what it is about. I don't know who 
I don't know who goes into a, a Nissan showroom. I'm sorry, Nissan. I don't know who goes into a Nissan showroom and goes, how much is that? Uh, it's um, That's £32,000, that highly spec Nissan Duke. And they go, yeah, yeah, perfect. I'll, um, I'll take that. Um, I don't understand it. Um, I don't know. They are perfectly good cars. This is the annoying thing. They are absolutely fine. They're very good cars. But there is something about the people that choose to buy them that yeah. just don't quite work on our roads. I find Vauxhall Astras tend to be a... Yeah, any... Well, I was going to say any Stellantis product, but that's now quite a broad spectrum. But yeah, Vauxhall as a badge does often scream to me, I'm not a car person. Mm. Um, yeah, I remember somebody mocking it. I think it was Sniff Petrol, actually. I think it was Richard Porter years ago who did... I'm sorry, Richard, if it wasn't you, but somebody put up a billboard... Uh, like a mock-up, a photoshopped billboard with the new Corsa advert. And it was a, just a, a picture of the Corsa, black background, white text, nice and plain and simple. And it was something like, the new Corsa, yours from something, something, something pounds. And somebody had completely covered over the writing and went, the new Corsa, drive a car that shows people you don't give a <laughs> about cars. And it's like, yeah, that abs- you know, absolutely. Because nobody that buys a Vauxhall Corsa cares about cars. Maybe I'm wrong. Am I wrong? Podcast. Prove us wrong. Sorry, I talked over your email then. No, that's okay. <laughs> um, so I think we're there. There's somebody else saying, slow turners, just commit already. Lick the stamp and send it. I liked that. Thank you, Mr. Hunter, 16. Uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Anyway. Yeah, people uh, saying failure to, for signal or people that signal and then turn immediately. Two different ones yeah, there. Yeah, indicators. That's mm-hmm. that's a whole category of difficulty. Roundabouts as well, knowing which lanes to be in and how to indicate and where. Yeah. You indicate to leave, not to show what you were thinking about doing before you got on the roundabout. <laughs> uh, I don't know why people find that so hard to understand. Black wheels is a trend that needs to end. I disagree with that. A lot of these are very poetic. Um, well, <laughs> they um, quite cool. Are yeah, they not? I do, yeah, I suppose it is a taste one, isn't it? I'm not a fan of black wheels. Why? I, What's wrong with black wheels? Well, they do, they kind of they disappear. They, if you've got a wheel that's a nice design, yes. then you've kind of it's lost in a world of dark black. Obviously, it's a crap design. Black wheels. Paint it black. <laughs> paint it black and send it back. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, by the way, where did you get that handle, Grand Touring? That's a very good um, Instagram handle. Well done for getting that. Could have used that a good few years ago. Never mind. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I get it. Again, I, I have a real strange relationship with wheels. The other thing is people putting on wheel um, OE manufacturing wheels on a car where the wheels are newer than the model of the car. That should be mm, illegal. Yeah. It looks awful. If you're driving a 1997 3 Series BMW, well done. You've chosen very well. But if you've then put on a set of wheels from 2004, not well done. <laughs> Take your car and put it in the sea. Um, it's, yeah, it's not okay. It's not okay. Uh, I think we're just about there. But, I mean, I, we, we teased and said, that this will be a taster into the world of moaning and you can send us your moans and we'll get we'll read them out in February. Um, I think there are more moans than this. We've, we've done the generic moans. There yeah. are going to be some that are specific. And also, uh, what, does, what does Radio 1 do in the mornings when they talk about the... Um, Radio 1? I'm yes. 35. I don't listen to Radio 1. I'm Greg James too old. is a master. When it, oh dear! Sorry. He talks about the uh, the assassination of things that you think this is it the only thing that you do. Uh-huh. So maybe there are car things you think. Am I the only one that finds mm. this annoying, or am I the only one that does this? Or so, I don't know. Some, like I saw a, a video the other day of somebody de-icing their window with a bag of hot water. 
Instead of like putting either hot water over windscreen, which apparently oh, yeah, you're not yeah, meant no, to I've do, that. with yeah. a bag. Yeah, you put the hot water in a bag. I've never put it in a bag. It melts the windscreen without you having to pour water on the floor that's inevitably going to freeze and then Doris from next door falls over. <laughs> Poor oh. Doris is not having a good time, yeah. is she? Or the other one is um, dampen a, um, a flannel or a towel mm-hmm. uh, with hot water and then use that. Just put that on your windscreen gently and wipe the ice off with that. And but again, then- you save the... The need to pour water, like people that pour water on windscreens, don't ever do that because you can immediately crack your windscreen, and you are pouring water on the floor that will refreeze. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but yeah, well, um, things like that. I'm intrigued to know your, yeah. your very specific, more more specific moans and yeah tips and things like that. Mm, what makes you mad? Yeah. <laughs> um, email us podcast at drivenchat.com and um, maybe start your email or write in the subject line something about moaning something so I can see it and categorize it in a very inefficient way of filing emails that I do or don't do. Um, <laughs> we'd love to read them and we love getting messages. You know, this was a really last minute thing. I put this up less than 24 hours before we were recording this episode to get this this many reactions in. Um, so with this, this is your call to action now. If you want to get your moan in, or if you have a particularly great story about why something needs to change in the uh, road law or uh, just general driving courteousness, um, then pop it on an email. Podcast, I'll say it one more time, podcast at drivenchat.com. Perfect. Simple as that. I once heard somebody, a very well-known radio presenter, that is also very good car person mm-hmm. say and i totally call chris why don't you call chris yeah. totally saying i totally sorry, totally disagree with mm-hmm. saying that uh speed limits should be 20 in towns and 70 everywhere else or 50 everywhere else <laughs> and i was like okay no 20 is really slow it is slow and if you're going somewhere that's not quite a main road but not quite a town when you know when there's those 40 mile an hour places mm. and i think if you had to go 20 Mm-mm, too slow. If you were going any faster, like 50, whoa, no, mm, too fast. Yeah. I think that's a definite disagreement. Mm, yeah, no, I'd agree. I, tw- the 20, I get the 20 thing in town, but in like London, it feels slow. When yeah. it's really yeah, all of our London every- listeners now are like, what are you guys talking about? It's Sorry. been 20 for years. Yes, okay, in London I get it. I think that's <laughs> yeah. what made me think about it the other day, because I had to drive into London, yeah. and I was like, okay, it's 20 miles an hour, and it feels very slow. It does. It does. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't do that all the time. No. No. Anyway, no. that's my and extra little moan. Uh, that's why we live in the countryside where hey. everything is 60. <laughs> uh, right. I think that brings us to the end of our podcast, Amy Shaw. Oh, well, it's been a pleasure chatting to you, John Marker. Well, as, as always, as always. We've seen each other socially more in the past two months than we have professionally, we which have. is nice. Yes. So uh, let's continue to do that. And um, to you, dear listener, Thank you. Thank you for making it this far into the episode. Another long one, an hour and 30-something minutes. Uh, so good effort on them for making it through. And, um, yeah, we'll speak to you again next week. I'm undecided as to whether we're going to alter the order of these podcasts, if you're listening to this in real time, uh, because of that big Christmas, um, that big Christmas that happens every year. Uh, We are currently scheduling an episode that's going to go out on the Monday, which we usually do, which I think is going to be Boxing Day. We may just go with that. We may throw in a little bonus over Christmas as well. Who knows? Uh, If we don't, Sorry, if we do, you're welcome.
Uh, otherwise, uh, we will just continue as normal. We're not having a break as as such. We've done those recordings and some of those will go out just as they happen every single Monday morning in all the usual podcast places. If this is your first time listening to us, where the hell have you been? We have 130 plus episodes now for you to catch up on many of them featuring amy and i doing something like this where we just talk and many more featuring either amy or myself or rachel or andy or some or other hosts guest hosts that have come along talking to a special guest from the automotive world and you can see everybody and listen to everyone from jeremy clarkson through to ian callum through to richard porter through to the person that designed the little vitamin tablet bottles in boots. We, oh, I remember that one, actually. That, that was a good happened. chat. I really yeah. quite enjoyed that chat. That was different. Yeah, yeah. Talking to an inventor. An inventor. And designer. Neil Barron, the that, inventor of Light Lock. That's the one. And yes. the inventor of the little vitamin capsule bo- bottles that you buy from boots. The ones with the little slanty top. The little slanty top, yeah, exactly that. <laughs> yeah. There's so much for you to catch up on. So go and have a look. Go and have a listen. Uh, every op- every episode completely different. So uh, if, you, if you listen to this and think, this was exactly what I want to hear in a podcast... Sorry, because <laughs> all the others are different. Um, but there are, look out for the ones titled Listener's Letters um, or anything with Amy Shaw in the title, and it's quite similar to this. Yes. It's just nonsense, isn't just it? Nonsense, it's just nonsense. just us talking nonsense. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, uh, on the build up to Christmas, it's that nice time of year when everybody at work just kind of stops doing what they usually do and goes, This is a January Jan. problem. Yeah. <laughs> this is something for next month, next year. Um, we've got to record our intro now. We do. Which is a, a huge, uh, complex, what's the paradox? It's a paradox to our listener because they've already heard it, but we haven't yet recorded it. Oof. What a world. <laughs> what a this universe. This is an insight, listener, into this. And then after our after we've recorded our intro that you've already heard, you'll hear a bit of conversation that we had that wasn't supposed to be recorded, but we have included because it sounded entertaining. And we'll play that right at the end. <laughs> and it references coffee and mm, something else I can't remember. <laughs> You're welcome. You are very welcome. Yeah. God, I really am in that winding up to Christmas mood, aren't I? Yeah. Yeah, I need to do my Christmas shopping as I well. do too. I'm going to do that when I get back. Oh, God. <laughs> do you think Amazon's still doing Oh, no, we can't because Royal Mail on strike. Oh, God, I might have to go into an actual shop. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> right. Uh, right, speech in a week. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Amy Shaw and John Marker. Yay. Against the world. <laughs> also, um, my, William says that he your your voice when he listens to the Dream Chat podcasts, which he does does a lot, is like a little hug in, you, in his ears. Oh my goodness! I know. Well, that's, I, I, that's on record as well. I've recorded that. I once had a message from a friend of a friend, somebody I'd met a few times, a girl, mm-hmm. um, and she asked if I would consider recording a set number of. Um, phrases for her I didn't know what the phrases were and we didn't get to that point Um, because she said that my voice to her was like ASMR she found it very relaxing that's really lovely Um, why did you never get as far as knowing what she wanted you to say I don't know I think I I I just forgot (laughs) I think I was was kind of like very polite and first going oh that's very sweet of you and then I just thought that's weird and then ignored it (laughs) oh dear that could have been the beginning of a beautiful friendship it could have been yeah (laughs) or a career as an ASMR voiceover it's not too late not too late if there are any voiceover agents listening because now I've decided this bit's going into the podcast then get in touch (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Podcast at trimchat.com. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I'm very cheap day rate. Uh, right, That's let's a record date. a podcast. Date, not date. <laughs> Off the dating scene, but I am on the day rate scene. <laughs> hmm. mm, this coffee's delicious. Right. Hello, I'm John Markar. Oh, hello, I'm Amy Shaw. <laughs> so, I was thinking about you saying, oh, my coffee is delicious. Mm, my coffee's delicious. <laughs> and I'm John Markar. <laughs> The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 